Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika. And this is a music history show that we've actually done two weeks in a row now. Woo! <laughs> We're back from the dead. Like well. What? I don't know. Sometimes I feel pretty dead inside. I, I meant the show, not us personally. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I had something I was going to say, but I, oh yeah. You like me a lot. Sure. And oh. also. <laughs> so sweet of you to say. Follow us on social media. We haven't plugged that in a while. That's because we haven't done it in That's a while. That's true. Do you remember our social medias? Yeah, it's on Twitter, Sound of History underscore. Yep. Is there a podcast? There's no podcast. Nope, because it wouldn't fit. That is a lot of words. Yep. So it's Sound of History underscore. And then on Facebook, it's just Sound of History, but I don't think that matters. It kind of does. We post like episode announcements on there and you can like give us reviews and stuff on there oh. and share it with all of your friends the one time a month that you find yourself checking facebook to like Some check on your still aunt check it all the time give us five stars don't shame people if who still use facebook it. i mean don't social media shame i'm sorry <laughs> okay so that's out of the way i'm cool i don't use <laughs> facebook I don't use Snapchat either. I don't know if I want to do this right now. You're in you're in a weird form. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I want to do me. I felt those like now. crap all day, and <laughs> here's all of the energy that apparently I was saving for right now. I don't know where it came from, because earlier I couldn't get out of bed. Okay, are you ready for your show? The show within a show. Yeah, Mika is the host now. Mika is the host. Christmas theme going on. Yeah. Speaking of Christmas time, I need help. Uh-oh. I really need help because I have not been able to find a good smelling candle in the longest amount of time. We have a Yankee candle, whatever, pine, balsam, Chris- Christmas tree smelling candle in front of us. Balsam and cedar. Okay. It's my favorite. Is it, it? I need it. I need it. I need a real tree and I need a Christmas tree smelling candle. And this Christmas tree smelling candle, I smell my tea more than I smell the candle. And my tea is like very mild. And I saw a conspiracy. I don't know if you saw this, but no. there's there were, well, it's not a conspiracy. Oh, was it what Madison the, told us? What did Madison tell us? That something about like Yankee Candle is making their candles not smell as strong because of COVID that. or something? Oh, you, you said don't that? Okay. listen to me. I knew one of you said it, and it runs together. <laughs> <laughs> we are one. Not you and me, or even <laughs> though we're married. Just me and Madison. <laughs> anyway, the the thing is, I saw online people, like youngins, were making fun of like the Yankee Candle moms who were all commenting that they couldn't smell their Yankee candles and they were upset about it and they were giving like one star and super pa- super mad and they're all like, oh, Karen, that's called COVID. Dur, dur, dur. And you know what? Probably a lot of those cases were because they had COVID. But I don't have COVID. I have had so many tests in the past month that prove I don't have COVID and I can barely smell these candles. So I think Yankee Candle <laughs> is like, Putting less scent in their candles now because they can get away with it. <laughs> I mean, I, I still can't really smell anything right now, so I can't be of help in this situation. I swear. And I, d- d- you guys, I promise I don't have COVID <laughs> and I have not had COVID and I have not been able that to smell my holiday candles and I'm really upset about it. So long story short, Mika does not plug Yankee Candle. And I really need some good candle recommendations because they're just so pretty. And I want to be able to smell Christmas tree like everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Is also. Oh, no. 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 Okay. <laughs> I have a lot to say. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is already probably going to be a longer episode. <laughs> oh, it is going to be a longer episode. All right. Buckle in. <laughs> buckle up. Both. Strap in. Buckle up. Strap up. 
buckle in and strap up. <laughs> it's gonna be a wild one. <laughs> that sounds dirty. Strap up sounds exactly. dirty. Exactly. That's why I said it. Okay. <laughs> For anyone who likes food and who likes to bake out there or cook, mostly cook either. I don't know. Or if you like making drinks. If I was really late on this game of following Half Baked Harvest on Instagram and just in general, but holy cow, she's amazing with all the holidays coming up. If anyone wants to make something extra special, check out her page because somehow it's amazing and beautiful and I'm very impressed. And I'm, I made a few things. We made a drink. It oh, was delicious. Was yeah. Cool. We made like a, like a, a honey spiced fruity old fashioned and it was delicious so anyway half-baked harvest even if you just like watching food videos like she does instagram stories of all the beautiful things she makes and it's very very pleasing very aesthetic cool i think that's it that's it do you care about any of the things that i just (laughs) said (laughs) yeah i care about candles okay and good drinks but that i don't have to make yeah I have one other thing to add on to your segment. You do? Yeah. What? If Especially if you're in the Nashville area, one of our local radio stations is going <gasps> through a hard time. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's Lightning 100. They're like a completely independent radio station. Nashville's been, independent radio station, Lightning 100. They've been going since like the 90s and they COVID has hit them hard, so they're struggling. So they are like asking people for help to keep them afloat through 2021 until they can like have sponsors get back on their feet and stuff Mm -hmm. so yeah and you don't even necessarily have to be in nashville because you know the internet now so you can stream them and they have such immaculate taste in music everyone who works there they're really really cool people um and you can follow them on instagram i know that they're doing a lot of um Oh, God, what's it called where it's like a giveaway, but you pay for it? Raffle? I don't think so. It's kind of like a raffle. Like you, oh, a silent auction or like an auction? I think, yeah, yeah, okay. auction. I just had a dumb blonde moment. <laughs> yeah, they're doing like auctions of really like signed things, and it's really cool. Every single year, one of my main things that I look forward to is going to this live concert series that they put on here. And, um, of course, it had to be canceled this year. I really need to go to another one. I'm going to be very upset yeah. if so they do Live on the Green is over. They do a lot of really cool things for a lot of like independent musicians and artists. So, yeah. yeah they Any like help they can get would be great. Have like new music that they um promote on Mondays. Like it's just I'm I'm very I love them so so much. Yeah, I'll leave a link to like their fund or whatever they're doing in the show notes so you can check them out all right and you should listen to them too if you're like really into well obviously this is a music podcast so you're probably into music (laughs) but like you should just uh look them up their website's like lightning100.com super straightforward i'm pretty sure Um, but you can like listen live and they honestly are just phenomenal cool all right well that's the end of mika's the host now i'm gonna cry (laughs) i love you now we're gonna get in to our actual show almost 10 minutes into this episode. (laughs) I want to sing a Christmas song. But I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like you're supposed to sing a Christmas song. (laughs) I'm just going to press... Have a holly jolly podcast. It's the best one of the year. Well, that's not true. I don't <laughs> know what the story's about, and I probably won't know what it's about next week either. <laughs> Have a holly jolly <laughs> podcast. C- am I allowed to like sing this tune? Is this tune like free now? <laughs> like, is it like? Doesn't have mean, to be like a hundred years old. We play a lot. It's life of the author plus ninety years or something like that. Oh my That's god! For copyright. What? Got to give the heirs time to. But there's also oh I, this goodness. might be more a trademark, but it's like every time Mickey Mouse is about to fall into public domain, it mysteriously gets extended so he doesn't. So it's like the Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mouse will rules. never belong to the people. Yeah, the people will always belong to <laughs> Mickey Mouse. 
Okay, so. How Holly Jolly Podcast this year. Cool. Last week, do you remember <laughs> what we talked about? No. Thank you for our jingle. Oh, I do. It's R&B. Yes. What do you remember about R&B? I, I don't remember who we talked about. I remember that they didn't know how to classify music from African Americans. They just like... Yeah, I mean, that's basically what we talked about. We haven't talked about it. This is our specific artist from R&B. So uh-huh. we <laughs> I forgot how our podcasts work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so R&B was basically just kind of like a generic term to describe music made by African Americans at that point because they felt bad calling it race records. So they came up with a new name. I had a hard time deciding who to talk about for this episode since R&B was like such a broad genre and it meant so much. Like it was so influential and R&B just like it could mean anything from blues to jazz to like Well, we've already talked about blues and jazz, so I think you (laughs) cannot talk about those people. I want to hear something new. I want to hear something inspiring. I want you to wear your Christmas hat. I don't know about inspire. Well, they did just win, so I can wear my Washington football hat. It's on the ground. Oh, so them right cute. Now. It says Redskins, though. That's very not PC. It's not, but you haven't bought me a Washington football Santa hat yet. <sighs> Why <laughs> did they name it that? It's a holdover. It's, 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 it's a step forward. They'll change it. It's just bad. So almost anyone we would talk about for this episode could also be talked about for other genres like soul, funk, or rock and roll. So I decided to do one of the major figures in Jump Blues, who had a massive impact on early rock and roll and is a larger-than-life figure in American music. Is it crisscross? Especially in the early 50s. No. Jump, jump. That They were like the 90s. Jump, jump. It's Little Richard. So what do you know about Little Richard? Do you know anything about him? Do you know any of his songs? Do you think no. you've ever heard of Little Richard? No. Okay. Well, then you're in for a ride. He's a great character. Okay. Little Richard was one of the most flamboyant and energetic performers of the early rock era. He pioneered a lot of the frontman stage persona that people like Mick Jagger or Steven Tyler ran with in the later decades. He is legendary and is one of the pioneers of rock, but we're talking about him here instead of rock and roll because we already have a guy we're going to talk about for rock and roll. Is it Mick Jagger? (laughs) No, it's Chuck Berry. Oh, Hey, I think that you should know that my tea is delicious. Okay, I'm very happy for they you. They need to know, too. Okay, you I'll guys. leave it in. Okay, good. <laughs> Next. This is going to be such a long episode. Because <laughs> we're right now at our character's birth, and we're 15 minutes in this. <laughs> All right, Richard Pinneman was born on December 5th, 1935, so a few days ago. Pinneman. In Macon, Pinneman. Georgia. Macon. He was the third of 12 children. His mother was really religious, and he grew up going to Baptist church probably multiple times a week, where his father was the deacon. However, his father was also a bootlegger and ran a honky-tonk called the Tip Inn Inn. Can you imagine if you're, well, I guess he was a deacon. He wasn't like the... He wasn't a pastor. I don't don't know how that works in the 30s. Yeah, I don't either, really. Can you imagine, though? (laughs) I love it. It's like the same. Well, no, it's not. But it's like the same vibe as like showing up to like a a get together and then like your pastor holding a beer. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the same vibe. Except he's doing it illegally because he's a bootlegger. See, I don't think the Bible likes things that are illegal. His dad was also a brick mason, though. Just FYI. He had a lot of stuff going for him. I'm very interested (laughs) in his father. (laughs) Well, that's all we hear about. (laughs) It's enough for me. (laughs) Growing up in church, Richard listened to a lot of gospel music, and I'm sure he got his start singing in churches, like so many other people did. Like he was in the choir. I love that. Richard, who was supposed to be named Ricardo, oh, but an error led to him being called Richard instead on his birth certificate. What? <laughs> he was born with one leg shorter than the other. This meant that he walked with a weird, like, kind of limp thing, like a weird strut. Yeah, one of my friends has that. And he was mocked for it pretty relentlessly because it made him look effeminate. His family started calling him Little Richard because of his small and skinny frame. That's mean. Yeah, but I mean, he ran with it, so I guess he didn't hate it all that much. That's a good point. 
His family attended a variety of different churches when he was a kid, but he always liked the Pentecostal ones the best because of their charismatic approach to worship and expression. I get that. (laughs) He had a very loud singing voice and said that he would often change the key up, like make it higher. That's mean. (laughs) Oh my God, that's mean. Like mid song, he starts (laughs) like singing higher than everyone else has to adjust to him. And he's louder than everyone else. I'm picturing Blake, but like being able to sing on tune. (laughs) That's horrible. One time he was told to stop singing because of his howling and yelling. This loud voice got him the nickname Warhawk. Wow. Which is better than Little Richard. (laughs) Need to be Little Richard or Warhawk. Little Warhawk. (laughs) Little Warhawk Richard. I saw some differing accounts about this part of his life, and I'm not sure what's actually true. I read that he left home at age 13 and started to live with a white family since his parents didn't like his suspected sexuality. But I only saw that. And And the white family did? I I don't know. I guess I'll come in. I don't know. But I only saw that account in like one article, and I'm not sure if it's true. I couldn't really find it anywhere else. Interesting. I also read that his community had a thriving underground gay scene with a lot of cross-dressing going on. Hell yeah. But again, I don't know if that's true. That was just Honestly, just based on how you've like keyed up this episode, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, once you see, like, some of his outfits that he would wear, it would make sense that he grew up around, like, a vibrant cross-dressing community. Oh, I'm so excited. Hopefully we have. I think we have live performances coming up. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) In high school, Richard got a job selling Coke in the crowds at the Macon City Auditorium. Coca-Cola, right? Yes. Because Macon is, like, very near Atlanta, and Coca-Cola is... from Atlanta. Yeah. So he would sell it in the Macon City Auditorium. In the 30s, did it have Coke in it? Probably. Okay, I'm not sure but about like that time. little doses. It might have been earlier than that. I don't okay, remember. Okay. But, yeah, so... A little th- dose of Coke is still <laughs> a dose of Coke. <laughs> so, because of that job, he got to watch a lot of big-name performers play in the Macon City Auditorium. Because it was, like, the biggest in the area. That's cool. It was at this auditorium where Sister Rosetta Tharp, who was a very influential gospel singer, heard a 14-year-old Richard singing early in the day. And asked him if he wanted to sing on stage with her that night. That's so cute. Of course, Richard agreed because Sister Rosetta Tharp was his favorite musician of all time. Oh, I love her. So Tharp convinced Richard to try and make it as a singer. Like after that performance, she saw him mm. perform with her on stage and was like, he can he can do it. Well, I feel like she probably knew that before she invited him on stage. Maybe, but there's a difference in singing by yourself and singing on stage and to an auditorium true. full of people. It's true. So Tharp convinced him to try and make it. So Richard left home and joined a traveling show called Dr. Nubilo's Traveling Show. Did you practice that name? I didn't. What? Dr. Nubilo was known for strange and Why over-the-top performances. Like that? I don't know. Nubilo. It's, it's fun. Richard started wearing turbans and capes because Nubilo did. All right. As part of his act, he, quote, carried a black stick and exhibited something he called the devil's child, the dried up baby, the dried up body of a baby with claw feet like a bird and what? horns on its head. What? That was what Dr. Nubilo did. These traveling shows, like traveling medicine shows were kind of weird. They were like kind of like sideshow acts, like circuses a little bit. Like it was full I'm of getting like very like what's the villain from Princess and the Frog? Yeah, I've Princess never seen the movie. Like I don't know. Dr. Fasile Dr. or whatever. No, like they, this sounds very, this it sounds like a similar vibe. Yeah, maybe. I think that he wore a cape at some point. I don't <laughs> know. It's no doubt that Dr. Nubilo played a large role in developing Little Richard's extravagant style that he would adopt later on. Later in 1949, Richard got a job working with Hudson's Medicine Show, performing the R&B hit by Louis Jordan, Caldonia, which we listened to last week. Do you remember that one? No. Okay. Well, we're not listening to it again, so. (laughs) But you listeners can go back and listen to last week's episode to hear Caldonia by Louis Jordan. Or you can hear my impression. (laughs) That's rude to Louis. I'm sorry. We had to call him Lou because we didn't know if it was Lewis or Louie. So he was just our boy Lou. I'm, I mean that in the most positive way. Okay. He also, uh, Little Richard, not Lou, 
Little Richard also performed in drag as a character named Princess Levon. Caldonia was the first secular song that Little Richard ever learned since his parents considered that kind of music devil music. Mm. In 1950, he joined his first professional band, Buster Brown's Orchestra, where he started going by the name Little Richard. Richard toured the African-American vaudeville circuits with the group where he met a guy named Billy Wright, who was an R&B star at the time. You keeping up with all these names? No. <laughs> Little, Rich- Little Richard met a guy named Billy Wright. Billy okay. Wright is a big R&B guy. He's a yeah. big R&B star at this point. Okay. Billy coached Richard on what kind of makeup to wear, told him to draw a pencil-thin mustache, and dress in flamboyant clothes. Interesting vibe. Basically, he helped Little Richard develop his iconic look. Billy taught him how to be a star instead of like how instead of just Little Richard. How do your hair? <laughs> yeah, basically, instead of Little Richard, he was now like a performer and a character. At this point, Richard settled in Atlanta and started going to a lot of the famous nightclubs where he saw R and B performers. That was when he decided to do what they did and wanted to be an R and B singer. I think before this, he was mostly focused on, like, gospel stuff. Billy Wright was impressed with him and got Richard in contact with a local DJ who recorded Richard, backed by Billy's band. And those recordings led to him being signed with RCA Victor by the end of the year. He released eight songs for RCA, one of which, Every Hour, became a minor hit in Georgia. Every Hour. What's the name of the song? Yes. I was picturing it's like modern-day radios where they... Play the same song every single hour. <laughs> yes, it played every hour on the hour. I mean, maybe. So that song and its success helped repair his relationship with his father, who started playing it regularly on his jukebox at the Honky Tonk he owned. That is sweet. Unfortunately, he was killed in 1952 during a confrontation outside the club. Oh, no. <laughs> that sounded very sarcastic. No, that was just very unexpected. Do you want to hear every hour? You don't sound too excited I'm to hear it. sad night. about dad. Dad was cool. Was he? Except he for maybe. Well, or did. Potentially. Sunny. Yeah. The the homophobia or the presumed homophobia was like not cool. But like. Deacon Whitman. Yeah. Every album. Every album. None of his Every rec- hour on the hour. Okay. My brain goes. You just have an Nick. alarm. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, he's cool. <laughs> and then I move on to like thinking about candy. That's fair. More important things. Yeah. None of his recordings with RCA took off nationally. They lacked his usual energy that would make him famous. During this contract for 1951 and 1952, he sustained himself by fronting Perry Welch and his orchestra, earning $100 a week. Which was pretty good. Is that a lot time. of money? Yeah, for like the 50s. Well, it's not a huge amount, but it's a good amount. I don't know money now, <laughs> then. He left RCA and signed another deal with Peacock Records, but all of his recordings fell flat for them, too, despite his growing reputation for high-energy onstage antics. So he's just bouncing around record labels, not really finding a he's good a footing. He's a performer. Yeah. He's not just a musician. He's a performer. He became a little disillusioned with the record business, and he was in pretty bad poverty at this point. So Little Richard moved back to Macon and got a job as a dishwasher at a bus stop restaurant. And it was there he met Escarita. Oh, goodness. Who was a wild piano player known for his frantic performances. He often wore sunglasses and two wigs, so his pompadour stood high on his head. Two wigs? 
I couldn't find any videos of Escarita performing. But you're going to show me a picture? I'm going to play one of his songs called Hole in My Heart. Why are you not showing I me I think it'll be a picture. So you think that's two wigs on him? Yeah. This is like way more similar to Little Richard's style. It's wearing like you you guys know like those buggy eyeglasses, sunglasses that you might find on like. A 50-year-old lady in the Midwest, like, laying out by her pool. That's the vibe. Right. Or, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka with those glasses. Okay. That's the vibe. All right. Well, that's Escarita. I like it. More than maybe anyone else, Escarita influenced Little Richard's play style. In 1954, Richard started a new band called The Upsetters that featured a hard-driving rhythm section. They didn't have a bass guitarist, so the drummer was forced to hit the bass drum really hard to make up for it. Wow. <laughs> they started touring as the backing band for a few different R&B singers, like Christine Cottrell. That was like the most notable one they played for. Oh, Christine? I love Christine. What? You don't know Christine Of course I don't know Christine. <laughs> no one knows Christine. That's Do you know true. Christine? Yeah. I know the name Did anyway. Did you know Christine before you researched this? I think I like know her name, but I couldn't pin any songs on her. I don't know what she sang, but like I've heard that name. Mm. In 19- I've heard the name Christine too. In 1955, <laughs> another singer, Lloyd Price, convinced Richard to sign with Specialty Records. Specialty sent him to New Orleans to record. At first, the session wasn't producing anything of note at all. But during a break, Richard played a raunchy song he wrote as a joke. <laughs> the producers of the recording session thought it could be a hit, so they hired a songwriter to clean up some of the some of the sexual lyrics. Oh my god! And they released "Tutti Fruity." Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that song is sexual. Well, the one you know isn't as sexual. I want to hear their original. The record was an immediate smash. It hit number two on the R&B charts and number 17 on the pop charts, despite several radio stations thinking it too risque to play. I'm kind of surprised that I didn't put those two things together yeah. after hearing his voice, because that's like very mm-hmm. obvious to me. And now. like his voice compared with that Escarita song, like that's a tutti frutti type rhythm. Yes. So instead of the radio stations who refused to play it because it was too risque. Was the original rhyme booty? <laughs> no. They played, Are you sure? I'm, yes, I Aww. think. They played a more toned-down cover version by Pat Boone. <laughs> Little Richard became an overnight so if you star. So if it's not as excited, yes. it's less well, sexual. No, I think they changed some of the lyrics, too. Okay. But, okay, so yeah, we all know it, but here's Tutti Fruity. I want the deep-cut original version. Jimmy and Jovita dancing to Little Richard and Tutti Fruity. <laughs> I want that piano to be lifted. It's the same thing. This girl rocks to the right and or the east, and then she rocks to the west, and then Ariana is walking side to side. It's the same concept. That add up to one specific number. Is it 69? Yes. It's like 24 plus something, I think. 
That's the name of this. Uh, whatever. It's uh, her album sucks. Her new album is terrible. Oh wow, hot take. <laughs> I, I've never really liked Ariana. I've not been a fan she's of her music. So cute. But this new album, I just couldn't get on board with. Okay. So that was Tutti Fruity. That was, was an immediate hit. A lot. <laughs> Do you want to hear the Pat Boone version? Why would I? <laughs> Well, here's the Pat Boone version. I don't want this. I want the real. I want it to be dirtier. This is so bad. How dare he? Look at. Oh my god. I don't want him to look at me. Ah! Honestly, I trust this man less. I trust this man oh, so like much picture. less. Oh. I don't like, I like, no, it was the other one for me where he's like, like, smirking over his shoulder, like, no. He said, I've been to the east, I've been to the west, and she's the girl that I like best. So they cleaned it up. That's Pat Boone's version. Listen, that man respects women less. (laughs) I don't even know how bad Lil Richard is yet, because apparently he's wild. And potentially not into women. I'm very interested to hear this. But this man respects women less. Maybe. Did you see how he was looking at me? (laughs) I'm not going to make, you know. I am. Because you know what? I think he's dead. So I can joke about my God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's how it works. I'm trying to see if I can so find it. Oh, the original lyrics in which Tutti Fruity referred to a homosexual man oh. were Tutti Fruity, good booty. Yes, I got it right. <laughs> I guessed it. Oh, just wait. Tutti Fruity, good booty. If it don't fit, don't force it. You can grease it, make it easy. These were replaced with Tutti Fruity, all Rudy. <laughs> Tutti Fruity, all Rudy. <laughs> Tutti Fruity, good booty. If it's tight, it's all right. And if it's greasy, it makes it easy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Those are just some of the original lyrics that the producers probably wisely said, you know what? Don't think that'll I understand not putting that on like the radio where children can hear before it's their time. That's not gonna That was not gonna fly in the fifties. People did it in the butt in the fifties. Sure. But not on (laughs) mainstream radio. Well, maybe if we had fixed that in the <laughs> 50s, we would have less homophobia now. Okay. Anyway. So sorry. After this, Little Richard released a couple of other smash hit songs. One of them, Long Tall Sally, actually charted better than Tutti Fruity. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get over Tutti Fruity Good Booty. <laughs> I'm not going to ever get over that because I called it. And yep. to be fair, it wasn't a hard call. <laughs> but you said no. Well, I thought you meant like Tootie Fruity was actually like Tootie Booty or something. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I thought you were going. I was like, that's a children's no. rhyme. That's not. <laughs> no, the rhyme was going to be. B- oh, my God. That's okay. so much worse. Okay, we're off Tootie Fruity now. Tootie Fruity, good booty. We're on to Long Tall Sally. <laughs> no, I'm not. Which actually charted better than Tootie Fruity when it was first released. So Richard used this time to beef up the Upsetters, which was his backing band, in case you forgot, which I'm sure you did. I did. <laughs> but I do think it's a great name for yep. a band. They started performing all over the United States, and these performances solidified his fame and also earned him a lot of money. One person said about his acts that they were, quote, very dynamic, completely uninhibited, unpredictable, wild. Dang, I'm like really excited about this. So the band took on the ambiance of the vocalist, end quote. I don't really know what that part meant, but. They're wild and uninhibited. I don't think we have like, I don't think you're going to get to see a wild performance from them. You just kind of have to take their word for it. Because like anyone that is going to be played is going to be played on TV where it's a tone it down. Like no one was recording concerts at this point. I mean, if I was watching that, I wouldn't be pulling out my phone. I would just be taking in the experience. They didn't even have phones to pull out. At this point, Little Richard was still playing to segregated audiences. White people and black people could attend the same show, but white people were on the main floor while black people were in the balconies. Oh, so rude. 
but during Little Richard's shows, they all mixed as they danced together. Nice. Yeah. His performances started to prove that African-American performers could succeed in the white-only venues of the South. Despite protests of racist groups who warned on television that rock music, quote, brings the races together, as if that's a horrible thing. Debbie, right? A little bit. I mean, they're right. (laughs) They were wrong in their tone. During these years, Little Richard's onstage dress got even more flamboyant. He started wearing sequins, capes, and suits studded with multicolored stones. Oh my god, I love him. (laughs) He said he did this so no one would think that he was, quote, after all the white girls, end quote. I guess he like wanted people (laughs) to think he wasn't interested in women. Or the, the white girls. I don't know. I don't know what this no, He's trying to like play up the homosexual character so white men wouldn't be threatened by him. Mm. He claims that a show in 1956 at the Baltimore Royal Theater, after women started throwing their undergarments at him, <laughs> was the first time that that had ever happened to a performer in the history of rock or the history of music. So this just shows that women don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair... Women are going to simp after you. (laughs) To be fair, I don't think that there's a way to prove his claim. Like, I don't think anyone was tracking when the first time women threw underwear at someone was. I believe it, though. Yeah, I believe him. But his shows did often lead to people being restrained because they jumped off the balcony and rushed the stage to try and touch him. Oh, God. Yeah. It was wild times. Jumping off the balcony, though. Like, I'll touch somebody if they're right in front of me. But African Americans could only be jump. in the balcony, so they had to get closer. They were dancing. Mm-hmm. In 1956 and 1957, that. Little Richard released a string of hits that led him to buy a mansion, a fleet of Cadillacs, and relocate to Los Angeles. How many is a fleet? I don't know. At least three. <laughs> <laughs> like I was thinking more like ten. Well, like, cause it's got to be more than three, because it's like... If it's only two, you would say he bought a couple of Cadillacs. So three it's got to be three, three or, more or more. Is a few. And so when do we so switch from four a few or more. to a fleet? No, because three or more. So four can be a few. Well, so can 12. 12 can be three or more. Uh, it's three or Cadillacs more. Cadillacs is not a few because that implies smaller. Yeah, but you said three or more. So it could be four or more is a fleet. I think it's then at least four. Then you would just say three is a few. I yeah. think it has to be <laughs> would, because actually. of linguistics. I think it has to be at least five because three or more implies four or that more. four also. I think is a, a few, few is three. Like a couple is two, a few is three. That's what's in my head. Well, what's in your head is wrong. <laughs> Maybe what's in your head is wrong. No, never. <laughs> so Little Richard also landed a role in the rock and roll comedy film The Girl Can't Help It. Do you want to see him in that film? The girl can't help it. I the girl can't help it. He's toned down again a little bit because this is like. Yeah, I want yeah. something to see him. Like, he looks sharp, but like, I. Oh, look at those guys. They're so cute. Got a basis at this point, though. That's cool. Well, that looks like. Yes, go off. All right, watch. Oh, I want to see her. She's so cute. Well, we're not here to watch a movie. But I like her. I like her earrings and her hair. I want to be that blonde. Should I dye my hair? I don't know. (laughs) Hmm. In nineteen fifty-seven. What if I dyed my hair? In nineteen fifty-seven. After watching the Sputnik rocket in the middle of a tour in Australia. I'll get ready I for this. I thought Sputnik was a potato. <laughs> That's Sputnik. That's Ross's joke Halloween costume based uh. off of Sputnik, the Russian rocket. But this is, you You ready? You ready for his, the rest of his story? Oh, is this one, is this the turning point? This is a turning point. 1957. There's multiple turning After points. watching the Sputnik rocket in the middle of a tour in Australia. Little Richard became dedicated to God and shocked the world by announcing that he was going to become a minister. I'm scared now. (laughs) I'm scared that this is not going to look good on God and me. We'll see. Okay. According to Richard, 
During a flight, his plane started to experience some difficulties, and he felt it was being held up by angels. After his performance in Sydney, Australia, he saw a bright red light in the sky, and it shook him. He knew that it was a sign from God to give up his secular music and his secular ways. Even after he was told that it was a rocket and not necessarily a sign, he still believed it was a sign. Now I'm just sad because, oh, I'm so, oh, this is getting complicated. Oh, I worry for him. I worry for him so much. (laughs) So he did one farewell performance at the Apollo Theater and then one more recording session with Specialty Records and then enrolled in a theology school in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm so nervous. It is thought that he might have left secular music for monetary reasons, because Specialty Records apparently wasn't paying him what they owed him in terms of royalties and kept releasing his music without his knowledge. Like, they would re-release his stuff without him knowing about it. Why couldn't he just switch record labels then? Why did he? Because he signed a contract. He was bound to them. Like... His song, Good Golly, Miss Molly, which was one of his most popular songs, which they kept just re-releasing until 1960. He earned millions of dollars for the label and didn't see all that much of it, comparatively. So in 1959, so yeah, people are s- people speculate that he like quit secular music to get out of his specialty okay. records contract. So in 1959, Little Richard got married and started the Little Richard Evangelist Evangelistic Team. Evangelistic Team. I don't know why I struggled with that word. Me neither. Little Richard evangelistic team that traveled across the country preaching. Hmm. He recorded a couple of gospel albums for End Records, and a few of those songs actually hit the pop charts. Do you want to hear one of his gospel songs? I do. It's called There Will Be Peace in the Valley for Me. I hope there is peace in the valley for you. The king of the gospel singers was the name of this album, by the way. Sure. I am tired. I just feel like this is very much a like societal like pushed upon him. Maybe, but also change, and that makes me very nervous for like a a hurting person. But like, also remember, he grew up loving gospel music. Like, that was the music he loved as a kid. That was the first music he started listening to, the first music he sang, the first music, like... Yeah, if it's His first performance music, was with a gospel... Like, Sister Rosetta Tharp was a gospel singer, and that was his first performance with her. So it might just be like he was more nostalgic for the music he grew up with and loved. If it's an art singer. Right? I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a like, sample of his gospel. In 1962, Little Richard was convinced to tour England because he was told his records were still selling really well there, but he thought it was a gospel tour. So when he sang all gospel songs and the crowd booed him heavily, but then they cheered when rocker Sam Cooke opened for him. So he was always a competitor, and the next night, Little Richard secretly warmed up and then launched into some of his rock hits instead of the gospel songs. Okay. The shows were successful, and he quickly booked another tour with the Beatles opening for him. Really? <laughs> yep. Another English tour with the Beatles as an opening act. All right. So Little Richard was officially back in R&B and rock and roll. All it took was a little competition. In 1964, he released a new album with VJ Records and scored another hit with his song, I Don't Know What You've Got, But It's Got Me. Do you want to hear that? That's catchy. I like it. Here's here's that song. I haven't even heard the song. I don't know if it's catchy. That's a catchy title. It's a little bit more tied down. A little bit more gospel. And his other stuff that we haven't heard. Long Tall Sally and Good Guy as well. Treat me kind. You pawn all the time. You don't mean me no good. I lead you if only could. Baby, I don't know what you got. Honey, I don't know what you got. But it's got me. 
I don't think this is one of the songs we're not Alright, well that was some of his work in the or, or mid-60s, I guess. Uh, also, side note, he divorced his wife in 1963. Bummer. It's like right before he started getting back into R&B. For a while in the 60s, Jimi Hendrix was a member of Little Richard's band. And the two would... Like Jimi Hendrix? Yes. Wow. And the two would often clash over the spotlight. And Jimmy was actually playing on that song we just listened to. It was his guitar playing. Well, goodness. The two would fight over Jimmy's tardiness, stage antics, and wardrobe. (laughs) Hold on. He's fighting with someone else about their wardrobe choices? I I think it's because it was, like, up, like showing him up. It's upscaling. Yeah, Little Richard had to be the star, especially of his own band. The sequins and the cape and and, uh, and Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. more probably not more sequins but just like a more refreshed style like the sequins were the mid 50s now we're in the mid 60s that's right now Jimmy's we're, the we've new moved age. on to I glitter mean, like, a crowd liking his opening act better than him got him out of gospel music and back in R&B so he's a very competitive person who wants to be the center of attention Jimmy would accuse Richard of holding back money owed to him but we don't know if that's true. Could just be something Jimmy said. So, in 1965, Jimmy was either fired or quit, depending on who you ask. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really seem to slow Jimi Hendrix's career down at all, really. I think he's okay. Yeah, I think they both were okay after that. I think he quit. <laughs> Little Richard kept performing and releasing more songs, but never quite hit the same stride as during his golden years. He had one hit single called Freedom Blues in the early 70s, but otherwise didn't really see much success. In 1977, after years of partying and not being nice to his body, he once again returned to the spiritual world and released another gospel album. After that, he kind of just faded into the background of the entertainment world. Until he released a book in 1985 that lived lived up to each and every legend about his wild performing days. This book put him back in the spotlight and got him cast in a few movies and launched basically a second career for him. Well, goodness. For the rest of the 80s and 90s, Little Richard performed around the world and seemed to bask in his status as a rock pioneer and legend. That's fair. I kind of want to read that book. Yeah, I'm kind (laughs) of surprised that you haven't yet. I I mean, I didn't know about it, and I haven't had a chance to read it since Mm -hmm. I wrote this. Despite health concerns and a hip replacement, Little Richard kept touring into into the 2000s and the 2010s. A critic wrote about one of his performances at that time that Little Richard was, quote, still full of fire, still a master showman, his voice still loaded with deep gospel and raunchy power. That's awesome. Do you want to see a very poor quality video of him performing in 2012? Yes. Okay. I think is it Las Vegas or something? Heck yeah. Yeah, so B.B. King. We're at B.B. King. Lucille. In 2013, Little Richard announced his repi- his retirement to Rolling Stone magazine, saying, quote, I am done, in a sense because I don't feel like doing anything right now. I think my legacy should be that when I started in show business, there wasn't no such thing as rock and roll. When I started with Tutti Frutti, that's when rock really started rocking. All right. Little Richard's last ever concert was in 2014. In Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Shut up. <laughs> nope. What? I tried really hard to find footage of that performance, but Where? I couldn't find it. I don't At know. MTSU? Maybe. I, I couldn't really find anything about it. Where else are you performing? Oh my God. I'm looking it up. I was live 
I was living in Murfreesboro in 2014. Oh my god. Yeah, it was a year before I graduated MTSU. I feel like we would have Wouldn't there have been a little bit more of a hype about that? I don't know. I mean, I was like 2014. If it was early 2014, I was a freshman and otherwise I was a sophomore, right? I found an article where his Cadillac was struck in a crash oh no, in 2014 one? in Murfreesboro. Oh, no. Uh, can you imagine being the person that hit Lil <laughs> Richard's car? I mean, I know he retired to, like, this area, to Middle Tennessee. Shut up. That's so cool. He apparently had numerous Murfreesboro sightings before he passed away. When did he pass away? 2020. All right, well, it's all you can find, but that was his last performance. That is absolutely bonkers. Can you imagine totaling his car? <laughs> his Cadillac. Yeah, can you imagine? Just a dumb college student just trying to like get to <laughs> class or who knows what. And little Richard stumbles out of the car. Good God. Okay, so after... I wouldn't have known. After his retirement, little Richard turned into a bit of a recluse, rarely appearing for any interviews or anything at all. Also, I feel like we should point out, we both lived in Murfreesboro for a while, and it's kind of like a middle of, like, it's not, it's college town. Like, there's not a lot going for it other than College it's suburbia. A, other than it's near Nashville. That's the only thing going for it. So, we, I was very surprised to read that his last performance was in a town I lived in for, like, six years. That is really crazy. Yeah, so after his retirement, he turned into a bit of a recluse. He rarely appeared for any interviews or basically anything at all. He resurfaced in 2017 to publicly mourn the death of his good friend Chuck Berry. Mm. On May 9th, 2020, Little Richard passed away after a two-month illness related to bone cancer at his home in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Oh my God, <laughs> I've been to Tullahoma. He There's was, not a lot happening out there. He was 87 years old. Wow. I wonder if that's kind of why he wanted to go out there, just because like, he had been in the spotlight so long. He just wanted a place that was like chill and relaxed with not much going on. Tullahoma was where I had my first like nursing aid job. Oh, that's fun. where I drove out to. Through his life, Little Richard faced a lot of bullying and prejudice because people thought he was gay. Little Richard himself said that he had been involved with both sexes as a teenager. <coughs> Bisexual pride. He also said that his father kicked him out of the house for being gay at age 15. Mm. He said, quote, my daddy put me out of the house. He said he wanted seven boys and I had spoiled it because I was gay. End quote. Aww. Little Richard also got a lot of flack for using makeup heavily on stage. But he said, quote, I figure if being called a sissy would make me famous, let them say what they want to. End <laughs> quote. That didn't stop him from having legions of female fans who threw underwear at him and sent him naked photos all the time. A woman will simp for who women <laughs> will simp for. I never, I mean, obviously, I never met him, so it feels weird for me to comment on any of this part of his life. Mm. But from researching and reading some of the stuff he said, it seems like he was very confused about his own sexuality. Well, yeah, and that's why I was, like, really nervous. We were like, he thought that he had a sign from God. I'm like, ooh, yeah. this sounds so, like, it, it just sounds like shame is honestly what it sounds yeah. like. And, and that really, really hurts my heart. Yeah. He said in 1982, 1982, don't know why I said that so weird. Quote, God gave me the victory. I'm not gay now, but you know, I was gay all my life. Mm -hmm. I believe I was one of the first gay people to come out, but God let me know that he made Adam be with Eve, not Steve. So I gave my heart to Christ. End quote. This is, it's just such a surface level understanding. Like it yeah. just, and, and the issue with that is not like, it's just that I know that that wasn't, well, I don't know, but I, I imagine based on other stories that I've heard that that was not a comfort no. to him. No. But then in 1984, he called homosexuality unnatural and contagious while saying that he was omnisexual. In 1984. <laughs> In 1985, his former girlfriend disputed Little Richard's claims that he was gay. In 1995, he reasserted that he always knew he was gay and has been all of his life. But in 2017, he once again denounced it and called it unnatural. So he's just kind of all over oh, the board. I just want to give him a big kiss. 
Little Richard also had some sexual deviancy issues that got him in a lot of legal trouble throughout his life, but I'm not really going to go into that stuff because I didn't really feel appropriate to comment on it. During his initial rise to fame in the 1950s, Little Richard was kind of unique in that he completely abstained from alcohol, cigarettes, or drugs of any kind. He would fine his bandmates for using any of it. So he probably didn't get along with Jimi Hendrix. However, by the 1960s, he was abusing alcohol, cigarettes, and marijuana. By 1972, he was deeply addicted to cocaine. He said, quote, they should have called me Lil Cocaine. I was sniffing so much of that stuff, end quote. He also developed addictions to heroin and PCP that he said cost him as much as $1,000 a day. In 1977, he experienced a bunch of personal tragedies. His nephew that he treated like a son was killed in an accidental shooting. Mm. His brother died of a heart attack, and two close friends were murdered. Mm. In the same year, a good friend of his threatened him with a gun for not paying a drug debt. Ooh. Richard said that was the most fearful moment of his life because that friend's own drug problems made him wildly unpredictable. So these experiences, like all of them happening so close together, prompted him to give up drugs and return to his religious life. He was a man of many contradictions, but his impact on music was massive. During the 50s, he pioneered a new style that quickly became the biggest thing in music. Without him, and others like him, the musical landscape would look a lot different today. Goodness. That's a little Richard. Told you. It was a little bit of a wild ride. He was an interesting character. I was, like, I remember when he passed away, so I wasn't that surprised, but I was kind of like, it was only, what, seven months ago that he yeah. passed away? And we're talking about things he would, like, he was booming in the 1955. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. We're getting we're getting to more modern times now. Mm. All right, how you feel about little Richard? My heart hurts for him a little bit. <laughs> very talented, very cool. Yeah, he's a cool dude. I I have not seen the amount of sequins that I was promised. Well, let me look up a picture. Well, Richard. I don't know, sequence. You're going to need like a picture to put in the background of the episode anyway, so. Yeah. Well, there's one of them. That's cool. That's, That's cool because that is a very much like that is, look at the cross. Like, that's dr- inspiration drawn from like the clergy. That's cool. I would wear that right now. That I would not, but it's still really cool. Cool hat. That's hot. That's gorgeous that <laughs> is elvis that's so cool like i want that oh my god he looks amazing he's he, he's very much reminding me of like an early prince yes like that's, that was that's immediately what i thought for. when you were like sequins and yeah. and like a little bit like of a feminine style yeah. and the and it's, the cape, I'm like that sounds like something that Prince probably drew inspiration from. It's very Prince and David Bowie esque. All right, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Didn't Prince also? No, Prince died in 2016. Okay, so he outlived Prince. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, that's. So if you're wondering what we just looked at, I just did a Google search for Little Richard sequins and just went through Google Images. So you can look at what we were looking at. There were really cool ones. Like I would wear some of those things probably just like one time, but still. Well, that's Little Richard. Very cool. And don't remember what we're talking about next week if we do one next week. And Mm. I just closed the laptop, but I think it's country. I think we're back in country. No. Yeah, I think that's. I think we're back in country oh. for two weeks, and then we do rock and roll. So we're almost there. Well, actually, you, know, oh, hmm. you learned I a lot. You liked the country one last yeah, time. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to. Whenever I hear country, immediately I'm like, God, no, no. But like, there's so much of like good country yeah, that just, just is not at the forefront. Whenever you he- like, think, Ugh. whenever you hear country now, just think of Dolly Parton. I love Dolly. There you go. We're going to have to talk about Dolly at some point, but we're not quite there yet. All right. Well, that's little Richard. This is over an hour, but it'll probably be edited down to almost an hour. Have a holly dolly Christmas, everybody. (laughs)
Hopefully, see you guys next week.